Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. of Wookie Radio. It is the Smugglers 3, Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike, and we're being joined by Steven from Rocco Depot and our course. Hey, glad to be here. And of course, our favorite cover artist who forgot he did the action figure variants for Chan Tiki Room until I saw him at Comic Book Shop today. John Tyler Christopher. How's hey, everyone doing? Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Wrap me back. So, Rebels ended two weeks ago. Uh, we wrapped up the final episode last week, our final two episodes last week. Um, Ken was out of town, but we put together this little round table to just go Rebels. Four seasons, a lot of emotions, a lot of thoughts, including the thoughts from my dog and the other <laughs> So, where do we begin besides season one? <laughs> That's a deep dive. Yeah, this is a, this is a, this is a, um, yeah, like you said, Stephen, a very deep dive question here, because it, Rebels is like looking at Clone Wars. When you got to the end of Clone Wars, you're like, okay, where do you start if you want to talk about the entire thing there's a lot of stuff that happened on these shows right but the difference between clone wars and, and rebels clone wars was still very open-ended especially after you know we get the lost missions on netflix yeah which still was very open-ended here we got closure even though there's some yeah. cliffhangers still at the at the very end we got closure and i've seen a lot of headlines of um a lot of people at lucasfilm and the people in the creative department are um very interested in this new ba- in this new child, yes, and, P- and it's starting to stir, it's starting to stir some imaginations. We've been saying for a long time that Dave Filoni needs to be basically running creative at the moment. <laughs> Movies, animation, all of it. Yeah, yeah, I think he just he he. Television is a perfect like this is a perfect model for Star Wars, right? I mean, as much as the films are awesome, and I'm I'm loving the comic books, obviously. Like, I think he's just he has got the formula down for how to tell a Star Wars TV show that can be. Con- Continuing that you can really develop the characters. You know, I've, I've been on record before of like Ahsoka Tano being one of my favorite characters. And I don't think you could tell her story in the span of three movies, just like the evolution of all of the cast of, of Rebels, I don't think could have been told in a different medium. I think I think he really knows how to utilize television to its fullest extent. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, you especially couldn't get into the details and actually get people to um, get emotionally involved with these characters as much as you, we'd have, because um, I, I always bring, come back to the Clone Wars, but uh, even on this, it's like characters like Grand Admiral Thrawn, now, there's been plenty of books out there of Thrawn, but without seeing him on the screen, you get a totally different um, take on the character by seeing him on the screen, even though that is almost the exact same character as that was in the books for all the years. Totally. Yeah. yeah. With the with the uh, with the series, you get to dive deeper. I think into into the characters, their motivations, and like the movies are great. Don't get me wrong, of course. But with the, with a series, you can really you can really do a slow build up of the characters and evolution, like we saw with Ezra and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I know we're jumping ahead a little bit, but there's been some stories of some supposed uh, registration or copyright or trademarking of Star Wars resistance under many different categories, including like TV, film, uh, games, books. So a lot of, you know, since we just finished Rebels, a lot of people are, are suspecting that this could be the next animated series taking place between the events of Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. Is it, I'm assuming we're in like spoiler territory, right? Like, is that anything we need to concern ourselves with spoiler alerts or? I would say 
spoiler territory is probably gone since it's been two weeks since yeah. the show's aired. Yeah, and any of this stuff is straight speculation anyway. None of it's been confirmed. Yeah. No, well, because what I was going to say is to, to that point of resistance, and again, if this is part of a bigger conversation, maybe later in the show, I'm, I'm more than happy to wait. But like, one of the things that I really appreciated about Rebels was its scope, right? Like, I enjoyed the fact that it, it was a story about a group of rebels, but not the rebellion, if that makes sense. Right. I think that kept it like a really, right. it kept it more intimate. And I, I really appreciated that, that at the end of the day, the story was about Lothal, right? Like that was the narrative. It wasn't, we're going to topple the empire because obviously we've already told that story, but I think it worked to its advantage to keep it a smaller toned show. Totally. I completely yeah. agree with you. Well, we, we talked about it last week, uh, Derek and I, and I guess it kind of still fits in within the season one talk, um, maybe season two. I'm not sure my timeline and anyone could feel free to correct me um but i mentioned ezra's kind of that voice that brought all the different rebel cells together to create the rebellion or at least the rebellion as we know it in the outer rim yes um because it was yeah, it his, definitely feels like that because it was his his broadcast i want to say it was near the end of season one it was his broadcast that from from his parents old or from his old living quarters or living area that all of a sudden now fulcrum who we later come find out was ahsoka who never had me fooled once that first season i kept saying that's ahsoka that's ahsoka um, it's, you know, between her and Bell Organa saying, you know, I heard you and we know who you are and here's how we're going to help. It, it's very much, I think he's the one, he's that spark. He's that voice that started to bring solidification to the rebellion. Yeah, no, I, I, com I completely agree. Um, but I, I just, I appreciated the fact that it was a microcosm of the bigger picture that was going on at that time in Star Wars mythology. And I think it would have been very tempting to make Rebels a story about all the major events that occurred rather than having those on the peripheral. Right. And again, that helped make it more believable and also more... Um, the character's more relatable, if that makes sense. Right. Well, also, the nice thing is um, they built for the first three seasons up to towards the end of season three. Remember, we were actually we were working with the larger rebellion and doing mm -hmm. these bigger battles and bigger missions for the rebellion. But then um, with Dave and the crew all deciding that they know or to, when to just end the show on their own, they were able to swing it back around in season four and bring it back down small to just being about Lothal. No, without a doubt. Like, I mean, I wasn't trying to say anything because I love like the fact that they brought in Mandalore, you know, yeah. like, yeah. but that wasn't galactic spanning. It was it was battles inside of the larger war instead of trying to frame it around the entire Star Wars that was going yeah. on. Right. Um, and I just I really I really appreciated that because I think there would have been an easy thing to make every arc be a Rogue One level main event. And I think that would have done a disservice to the show and to the characters. Right. Well, I think they did a great job, too, with the whole um, at the end of season three, giving that homage to Rebels going, hey, look at what was happened. Uh, the spark of that initially of cells working together for the greater cause started here. Mm -hmm. You know, with, with Martha giving her speech going, this is where we need to be. So, um, so I, th I think having that was, was very, very cool to see. And uh, that whole speech being on the bridge of the ghost was awesome. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. I think in a way with the show, I mean, on one level, and really the main focus, it's Ezra's story. But as the show went along, they used it as a tool to kind of help show the alliance, you know, forming and how the rebels came about. And then as a springboard, it kind of fits nicely into how Rogue One happens. And, you know, with uh, the liberation of Lothal, maybe giving them a bit of emphasis to, you know, help that happen. Yeah, that's one thing I really loved about the show, that exact point that you made. Well, I was. Oh, go ahead. I was say because it's nice to see the the some of the some of the smaller stories in the Star Wars universe. So that's why I like that they kept this one. It, it touched the bigger story, but it still kept to the small, um, just just the main Ghost crew and what they went through. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, so here's one of the things I wasn't a fan of with the show. Let's bring this out. Like, I loved anything that built on the worlds, but I felt like something like like I was not a huge fan 
Batman. I thought the first introduction of Darth Maul was awesome, but I didn't enjoy the later stories up until when he finally met up with Obi-Wan. Like, that was like, okay, this is really cool. But I felt like when the show felt like it was trying to service the pre-existing stuff, I didn't enjoy that nearly as much as when they were building their own stuff. Like, I loved the Inquisitors, and I was like, man, this is part of the mythology I really want to learn more about and explore. Um, Whereas I thought Maul was was really interesting in the Clone Wars because he dealt with, you know, the Night Sisters, and then he dealt with the whole thing on Mandalore. Like, again, these were parts of a bigger picture, but I just, I wanted, I I was so happy to see those type of, again, mythology-building parts to the series. Right. I I agree with you. I mean, Maul in Clone Wars was great. Uh, See the return, and it was very relevant in Clone Wars. I think him being in Rebels, and, and we talked about it here, um, the three of us, The his death Mm-mm. was, okay, we've been waiting for this moment for the longest time, and that's it? Where, where's the whole huge fight that should take us from, you know, halfway through the segment before commercial to halfway through the segment after commercial? No. It was like two minutes done, over with, like... <laughs> Yeah. I thought it was I thought it was kind of interesting because it was bold. On on one hand, we get the big flashy fight that's the death of Maul in the Phantom Menace. That's the big flashy fight with Maul. And so when it comes to his final end, uh Filoni kind of went samurai on that one because sometimes you hear these stories of samurai where you get like these sword masters and the battle lasts 30 seconds because it's like three moves and one of them's dead. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you had these people who were like expert duelist it usually wasn't a long fight well it, it's funny you mentioned samurai because we know lucas has always said that the jedi were kind of based off the samurai a little bit that that that's yeah. where that's where they came from inspiration wise was the samurai All right what I, yeah. I really think was awesome with this though is um we had discussed it here how we were somewhat disappointed in that battle it was awesome to see it but for the three of us but out of four seasons of this show and all the episodes that were there that was if that's our biggest complaint at all that is an awesome show oh yeah because <laughs> everything else i loved in this show that was the only thing that i had any kind of little bit of a complaint about and it's not even a major complaint it was still for the amount of story that they had to tell that was what they that's the time they had for that no i, I appreciate it because to be frank i especially when they reintroduced maul into the series i was like let's let's end this and having him fight obi-wan like that's the perfect bookend right to that character like that's how he should go out whether it's mm-hmm. you know the length of time is is arguable but he should go out to Obi at Obi Wan's hand, and I thought that was really, really cool. Um, yeah. But no, like, so I just and that wasn't again meant to be like opening up a mall conversation. It was more a commentary on Filoni and his ability to create new things that are interesting that don't break the universe, like a lot of other things have I've seen in other, you know, um, some things in the expanded universe. I thought kind of broke the Star Wars mythology. And as cool as Maul was, I was more interested in his own creations with the Inquisitors and the brother and the sister and, and all of those yeah things. yeah see i would i would love to seen the inquisitors partner with thrawn in season three. Oh yeah yeah that would have been cool since, well, since, the cool thing no go ahead i was gonna say especially since they they kind of lead into the that fact that you know thrawn is working very side by side with vader and of course the the inquisitors are almost vader's own secret little army so to speak i would love to have seen that develop more yeah so the nice thing go ahead i'm sorry uh, i was gonna say the nice thing with this was that um, because of uh, they? Be- this was the first time they've had the opportunity to show animation at the same time that they were doing a actual live movies also. And we saw the integration of Rebels with um, Rogue One and how close the two worked together story-wise that they could easily move any of this back and forth between animation to movies to live action TV shows and show and this was the first chance we've had to really see full integration of the storytelling. Right. No, I, I'm right there with you because I, I think that like for example Saga Herrera was brilliantly introduced into the series. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas some of the other characters, I thought somewhat, you know, like with the Lando and Leia, it was almost, it felt like it was an obligatory, like we've got, here's our Lando episode, here's our Leia episode. I thought I thought the Saw Gerrera inclusion into the series made Saw a better character and made Rebels a better character. Like Rogue One establishes that he's kind of this crazy fringe re- rebel dude. Right. Rebels establishes like, no, this guy is nuts. You know, he is scary. Right. 
So, um, trying to think what what other elements uh, do people think could have been expanded on. Um, I guess we'll start with Steven. Ah, uh, put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> you know, we never really got to see a whole lot with bounty hunters in the show. That was something that seemed to got overlooked. I don't recall a whole lot being done with that. Whereas in the Clone Wars, we got to see some bounty hunters highlighted, like Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. and you know, and now that you mention that too, if you have this group of rebels. You know, that starting of the rebellion, one of these little cells like like the ghost crew and stuff, you'd, you'd think that maybe they would have put in some bounty hunters, sent some bounty hunters after them at some point or something. No, was, yeah, I think- was Rook considered, as I had to pronounce his name, the little dude at the, in season four, would he be considered, was he a bounty hunter or was he an Imperial? He he was more um, Thrawn's right-hand man. Yeah, like personal bodyguard type deal. Okay. Yeah. Personal bodyguard or personal assassin. Uh, and, th- and that goes back from the original, now Legends, uh, Thrawn series. Right, right, but I they kept referring to him only as an assassin, and that's why I didn't know if maybe there was a canon shift in that character that he was meant to be more, again, of like a bounty hunter in this one. That was just how I interpreted it. I could be completely wrong. Yeah, they never really explained it in the show. Yeah. yeah. But um, I understand why they didn't use bounty hunters really in this, because in this one, we had like the Inquisitors and um, the Rebels crew. The Ghost crew is basically a, um, a thorn in the side of Lothal, but on a galactic si- scale, that's not that big of a deal. So um, they, they had like the Inquisitors were here to take care of the problem. They had um, Grand Admiral Thrawn in here. They they didn't need to bring in outside bounty hunters because there was a large enough Imperial presence already here. And the, the way they were looking at it, or the way the Empire, I think, would look at this is, well, we have our own people here. Why should we pay someone else to do it? <laughs> because the, their own people well, weren't doing anything <laughs> exactly well you know actually there is a kind of an interesting twist to all this because with hondo right like he's not technically a bounty hunter but he he runs in that kind of circle if you will right um, all right pirate and i love the fact that he was a good guy in this series you know there was always that play like he, he was never a you know quote unquote good guy but the fact that he worked with the rebellion and uh i forget the name of the character that was based based on the original job that was the job original job of the hut concept art little red dude that w- he hung out with every once in a oh, while yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, begins with a G, I believe. Uh, anyways, I enjoy <laughs> the fact that they they went from basically being antagonists in the Clone Wars to being protagonists in this series. I thought that was a really nice twist to show. You know, they're on kind of the other side of the law now. The heroes are, and that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I really like that. I. I'm not sure if truly there there was a difference with Hondo from Clone Wars to to Rebels. I think it was more the environment change for him because he was still pretty much the same. I mean, he he was almost that anti-hero, anti-villain in Clone Wars. You know, true pirate. What's going to benefit me the most? Exactly. No, and I think that that's the brilliance of it. Right, is the fact that it's these circumstances have changed that now our heroes are quote unquote the bad guys in the galaxy. If that makes sense. That I, I enjoy, I've always enjoyed in Star Wars. The like the idea that there are the the rebellion is is the good guys, but in the galactic sense they're the bad guys, right? Does that right. make sense? Like, yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. The authority. So because yep. of that, like Hondo, he was never against the the Republic. He was had his own self interest, but the rebellion utilized his talents in Rebels, and I thought that was a really interesting twist to the. I think it made again it made Hondo a better character, and it really added a, a light on the differences between the Republic and the rebellion. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I think the character we were talking about was Visago. That sounds right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because he came back in the end. The first season, oh, he right. was the yeah. arms dealer and stuff that they were dealing with once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he was more like in the way that Hondo was treated in Clone Wars, right? Like, again, he wasn't the big bad guy, but he was certainly, he was a foil for the, the heroes to overcome. And in this one, he was you know, Honda was fighting right alongside him at the end and his little, uh, Ugnaught buddy, when he got shot, you know, you're like, Oh my gosh, no, not that guy. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But once I again, that's why, com- why they actually kill him. Yeah. I was, so what, I thought, that no, no, that yeah. was it. Um, but no, that once again, goes back to the whole idea that, um, of Ezra and how unique this character was that, um, he br- not only brought the rebel rebellion together, but all these other characters like Hondo, the entire time we've ever known him, clone wars, um, here, it's always been Hondo d- doesn't care who's in charge in the galaxy. Hondo's for Hondo. Right. But at the end of this, you find he actually takes a stand to fight for this kid that he's only met a couple times. Totally. And it's just, that's the type of character Ezra is. You see also um, earlier and then even, 
struggle all throughout the series, his bond with the different animals and stuff, and how emotionally he can um, not as much um, control other creatures and stuff, but empathetically get in there to where other creatures want to help him. Yeah, no, I, I really thought it was cool how Ezra, again, this goes back to like that idea of they expanded the scope of what the Force was without it being breaking any of the rules that have been pre-established. Like, I, I just, I really appreciated how they handled all of those like nuances. Yeah, definitely. Um, how odd did y'all find it that Ezra was being brought in as a, a force sensitive that, and then the shock of, oh, Kanan's a Jedi. And, and all of a sudden we're seeing Jedis in this series as well. Um... Yeah, it was pretty odd. I'm I'm still wondering. I'm still kind of left wondering, like where where their story goes during the movies. You know what I mean? Like after Rebels. Well, I think everyone said the same thing with okay, Clone Wars. We're introduced to Ahsoka. Where is she? Right. Yeah. And of course, you know they they write her off. The way they write her off, it's like oh okay. Um. Then it's like oh we're getting Captain Rex. Well, we know what happens. Somewhat happens to Cody and whatnot. How come we don't see Rex in the movies? Well, now we know. And then, of course, Filoni, uh, with his writing, pretty much confirms and solidifies the the new canon that Hera and Rex were involved in the Battle of Endor. And yes, that gray-bearded rebel commando is Rex. Right. That was so cool. Yeah, that was. But my question is, like, where was where was Ahsoka and Ezra during all of this? Well, if you remember, with the end of Rebels, we're after the Battle of Endor when we see Sabine talk about, you know, from the the painting talk, and doing her little monologue that you know Ahsoka's right. We're gonna. It's time to go look for for Ezra. So Ezra and Thrawn disappear with you know when the Star Destroyer disappears. And right. Yeah. No one knows where they went. It's just all we know is Filoni has come out and said they survived. And I believe that's all he has of the story too. From the what it sounded like from um, I watched the last couple episodes of Star Wars show and um, Rebels Recon this uh, tonight and the way it sounded when he said that was and, uh, and he doesn't have the rest of the story written out. He has some outlines of stuff, ideas that he has. But he did purposely did not say where they went because he wants those stories to be able to be written later without being locked into something he's already said. Right. And I think that's what we might see in the new series. And this is where I think everyone's speculation is crazy correct that it's probably going to be called star wars resistance and now we're going to see the empire has fallen maybe we start seeing the the beginning of um the first order in their reign and what you know where do we go from there depends on how close you put it to um the force awakens because the first order if you read books like bloodlines and um chuck wendig's um series aftermath series the um the first order until we get to star killer base it was real loose and loosey-goosey and it had only been together as an actual entity for a handful of years before um, Force Awakens. Yeah, that was the impression I had gotten. So it's like, yeah, we could see the Empire slowly falling apart because we know that um, they didn't, after the Battle of Endor, the Empire didn't immediately collapse. No. There's enough generals and um, admirals and stuff out there that could run on their own that it's going to take a while for them to finally give up. And uh, many of them, and I believe this is in the new canon too, many of them didn't believe the Emperor was dead yet right yeah this is why i'm still liking that snoke theory that snoke is a clone of the emperors that ended up having his own consciousness and, and own and own recognizance and split off on his own and this is not the actual is the emperor but not the emperor that is entirely possible and as we mentioned in last week's episode they do have a backstory for snoke they just haven't told it yet yeah they couldn't find a place to put it right which is awesome because you know, that means really it's not even can and yet they have an idea of what they want it to be right but without saying it they can always change it if they want mm. you know as fun as it is to speculate i don't know if we really can figure out what the next show is going to be because if you would have gone back to when clone wars ended and asked me what star wars rebels would have been about i never would have thought of oh, some planet called lothal and some characters we've never heard of like this little scavenger kid who's who's going to grow and become a jedi i, I would never have guessed that so oh, i have yeah. no idea what they're going to do next yeah and i right. kind of like that yeah well, that's, that's the thing right is that i want star wars to be as broad as possible when it comes to their 
storytelling and their narratives. I right. one of the things that drives me cuckoo bananas is when it's just like we've been. I, I don't want. I don't. I don't mind hearing more stories about like these certain characters, but I love when I learn more about new characters. It's a big galaxy out there, and I think there's yes. such potential to tell other stuff. It's like I've said before. I'm one of those guys. Like I am completely fine with if, if I never hear about Snoke again. I I'm okay with that character as is. I would rather hear a new story about these other characters or something new. I mean, honestly, if Rebels ends and this is the last we see of any of these characters, I would be happy with how their story was concluded. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't be upset like, oh, you guys owe me more story about them. Mm-hmm. If they want to tell me more, I think there's room to tell. But I think that there's also like, it really buttoned up well, which is like that coda was just yeah. beautiful. Totally. Yeah, like I was, I was, I'm completely satisfied with what they did with Snoke and like the last Jedi and stuff. I'm totally fine with it. I I was a little bothered by the way they killed him off. You know, again, thinking as ah, a little too easy, but again, I was okay with it because I didn't just like the whole scene going to Canto Bite to go get DJ or the the code breaker. I didn't think he was really vital to the series. I, I think that was just one of those characters that the movies would have been just as solid and stories could have carried forward just as well without Snoke. Yeah, dude, he's just a big bad guy. Like he. Yeah. He was the Emperor before the prequels, right? The Emperor was originally just an old dude that could shoot lightning out of his fingers in a robe. And, right. and I was fine with that as a kid. Like, at no point did I wonder, how did this guy get to power? Or what was his lightsaber? No, I thought I felt they did a great job of... The Emperor is my favorite part of the prequels, man. And in, in, of the Clone Wars, he is just delicious. That's the only way I can describe his character. <laughs> but uh, and speaking of him, right? Go back in, into Rebels. Like, I thought his the way they utilized him was so well in just yeah. a couple... Episodes via hologram, and that goes back to my point about the 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 scope of the show itself. Like we didn't need the emperor to show up, but having him via hologram made perfect sense, and it gave you a sense of like the magnitude of what they're dealing with, and it enriched that universe. But I think there would have been attempt. I can imagine a lesser team being like, "Well, we've got to have an episode where the emperor comes in and he's at Lothal and all this blah blah blah." And it's like, no, nah, he doesn't need to be there, and I really appreciated that. Yeah, having having him tempt Ezra and having him want to use Ezra to unlock the door, you know, was was so well handled because it was just one of his many machinations, right? Like, I loved the idea that the the Thai defenders, was that what they were called? The three yes. Thai? Yeah. yeah. Um, th- that was basically the other plan besides the Death Star. It's the one they didn't go with kind of a thing. Like, right, yeah. That enriched the, like, right? Because that you wouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. So I loved the idea that Thrawn was overseeing this other thing and then just dropping Krennic's name in of like, well, he's working on this Stardust project and it's like, whatever. Um, Because it wasn't relevant to the story other than giving Thrawn the impetus to move forward on his project and expedite it in certain ways. But then when it failed, it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're just going to go with the Stardust program. Like, I just, I thought that was so well handled. Oh, yeah, totally. I agree. I like what you were saying back there, um, John, about the the whole tempting of Ezra. Because if you look, this entire series, especially that's one of the reasons they brought, you could tell they brought in Maul. They brought in the Emperor was, um, he's getting training from Kanan in the way the Jedi works, but at the same time throughout the entire series, he's getting these temptations of um, Maul stepping in and giving him all the temptation of possibly moving to the dark side, and it looks like he may be taking that step, but he never actually does, and then the Emperor comes in to do the basically the exact same thing for him, and he still decides to step away. It's almost like watching um, Luke's training, too, because if you watch Luke in the movies, the um, major difference is Luke actually did take a step towards the dark side before he turns because mm-hmm. he did lose it he lost it in the death star i mean everybody can agree on that until oh, yeah. finally he yeah. he woke up and said wait a minute no this isn't the right way and he steps away right yeah no and i, I should also mention that i have now only i, j- I literally just finished binge watching slash listening to rebels this morning so <laughs> i have not had a chance to watch the entire series a second time through which is usually when I, I i'd like to formulate a lot of opinions and go back and go like oh wait that actually did really work or oh that didn't work at all even though i thought it did so anything i say if it's comes off as total bullcrap, I'm an idiot and I apologize. Because your, your point is very well taken about Maul being a mm-hmm. temptation. I, I forgot about that. Any any hate email can be sent to... <laughs> <laughs> Bookie Radio? Yeah, no. <laughs> That's okay, John. We're on the same page. I 
I've I've only watched Star Wars Rebels the the one time. I've never gone back and watched it a, a second time. No, neither have I. So yeah, I, I think I have seasons three and four. I've been watching a second time because I've been watching it one for this show. Two, um, when my daughter watches it because one, I couldn't wait for her to go. Okay, I'm ready to watch it. Uh, when she watches it, I'm watching it with her that second time, and that's where I'm catching you know, a few extra things. Um, that's like no, what about this or what about that? And, and we've had some of those moments between uh, Ken, Derek, and I on, on the show when when I've done this. Like, you know, I saw it a second time. And I'm like, what about this? Yeah. Well, and, okay. I'm curious then for you. Who is your favorite character, and then who is your daughter's favorite character? <laughs> without a doubt, my daughter's favorite character is Sabine. Okay. <laughs> without a doubt, um, mine. Uh, if we're talking about the main cast, I vote anybody. Just who's your favorite character in Rebels? Um, I kind of like Zeb. Yeah. Um, I, I actually no. I, I'm gonna have to say my my favorite character in Rebels was AP Seven. <laughs> that was that was meant to almost segue into that because my God, was it Double Agent Droid might have been the funniest stinking thirty yes. minutes of Star ever. Yes. <laughs> yeah, some of the droid stuff they did on this show was phenomenal. But the just introduction of the change in um because throughout all of Star Wars, anytime you see an astromech, not just R two D two, it's always always been the same. He's just helpful, does whatever he needs. I mean, he may have a little bit of attitude, but the introduction of Chopper totally yeah. flipped astromechs on their top on their ear. Oh yeah. Chopper, Chopper was awesome. Hundred percent my wife's favorite character. She could not get enough of them. She loved them. Yeah, he was great. How how about that shock at the final episode that we come and find out it's Filoni. It's the voice of Chopper. That was awesome. <laughs> And, I had my suspicion. And, and I was wrong. It's not AP7, it's AP5. Yeah. Well, yeah, I had my numbers wrong. For me, the shock was not that it was Filoni, but it's the shock that they gave him credit on the last episode for it. <laughs> I thought they would go forever just letting everybody know that, no, Chopper's his own guy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that end of that episode of the the double, double agent droid where AP five is floating in space and he's just like, oh, finally, this is the like I can float for infinity with no one talking to me. And then like all of a sudden, the music starts swelling and like the little like butterfly space creatures are flying around him. And then the, the, the wide it cuts to the wide shot and the ghost just like basically swallows him and he's just like, oh no, I was just my my wife and I lost it and because I had to binge it, I couldn't watch season the second half of season three or four with my fam with my daughters ah. so because my daughter was the same way Sabine Wren my, my, my daughter dressed as her for Halloween last year which I would never have imagined that um, that's cool Zoe Zoe wants a Sabine helmet nice they, she eventually wants to dress as Sabine but you know we know too with her growing and hitting the growth spurts doing a costume now is going to be kind of costly but she wants the helmet now and one of the cool things uh, being at Celebration um, which that's where John and I met for the second time. Uh, I took my daughter on, on Sunday, which was John's loss because I was going to introduce the family to him. But now he decided to go back home for Easter. I don't know why. <laughs> Stupid bunny rabbits. <laughs> um, hey, the green one's now canon again. So I know. Um, action figure variant coming soon. <laughs> we'll take that tongue, that lip biting as yes. Um, I think you're broken, Mike. He can neither confirm nor deny this. There you go, yeah. It would be um, apropos for no reason because, uh, you know, I, I, that was the first Star Wars cover I did. So it would be a lot of fun. Which I have. Um, the we, we found a group that was dressed as the Rebel Clan. Um, and there were quite a few out there. And, and it was so cool for my daughter to ask the, the gal dressed as being, can I try your helmet on? <laughs> And she puts it on <laughs> and just fell in love with it. And I'm like, yep, that's going to be 500 bucks down the drain. <laughs> Actually, they're, they're going for 400 right now, a Novos. Hey, all right. <laughs> Save a hundred. Cast that up. Someone let Zoe know. If it wasn't for hurricane damage, that's got to be fixed. Tell, tell her you're saving up for that Jabo we saw last week. <laughs> <laughs> that thing's eight hundred bucks. 
Yeah, it's awesome, but it's eight hundred bucks. I, I'll stop. I'll stop three hundred dollars shy and go get that Java cell barge. No, yeah. <laughs> Let, let's see that one as an action figure variant, John. The sail barge. <laughs> yes, that would be awesome. I'm all over it. I would take like <laughs> Dude, that, that multi uh, multi part cover we came up with last time you were on here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, that'll be issues fifty through seventy. <laughs> <laughs> When's if you next? line them all up, they're four foot long. <laughs> When's the next Star Wars cross title event? There should be I one coming. Up. There should be one coming up soon. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know, but I got honestly, man, watching watching these shows has reinvigorated me on wanting to do stuff with these characters. Like, and I think that's as an artist, like I can't speak any higher praise to something than like it inspires me. Like I want to do, I would love to do a series of Rebels action figure covers. You know, like that, yeah, that would be awesome. That would be yeah. And actually, that's something that could possibly come up because um, a lot of times the comic book company, especially since Star Wars has such a large comic book presence, when a show like this finishes, a lot of times you'll get at least a small run series of this of the same show continued in comics. And this, it wouldn't be continued. It'd obviously be uh, back during the show because we already know where this goes. Well, no, I think they could continue. They could bring back the Kanan series. Yeah. Well, with like could... Star Wars Adventures, they've been telling Star Wars stories in there. Yeah. Or Rebel stories, I mean. And of course, right. the Forces of Destiny one-shots, there were some there, too. Yeah. And um, Forces of Destiny's coming back. They just announced the eight new episodes today. Nice. That's awesome Oh, really? News. That is well, like, awesome nice. news. See, like, the comic book format is perfect for telling the story of, like, let's. we heard that Hera was at the Battle of Endor. Like, there's right. a four-issue mini series right there. I would love to read that. Like, right. oh yeah, oh, yeah. Well, one, yeah. One, of the four, one of the Forces of Destiny episodes has her and Han talking on Endor about which is the better ship, the Falcon or the Ghost. <laughs> yeah, silly debate. We all know it's the Falcon. Was she pregnant? Well. <laughs> what was that, John? Was she pregnant at the time? Not during Endor, because no, no. Um, Jason would have already been yeah. around at that point. No. He's probably hanging out for Ewok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think with, when Kanan died, it was probably we're probably what a good six months out from A New Hope, and from A New Hope uh, to Jedi yeah. was like three years. There we go. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. That and so sense. we and we know the coda, the wrap up here was sometime right after um, Jedi. So um, Jason there is probably only four, maybe four and a half years old. Uh, I am looking. I found a list of characters. That's how I found okay. out Visago's name. Like, well, what's also awesome, um, the Jason spelled with a C there. Yes. Did Get a name out of the old EU. Yeah, nice. And he is a Jedi kid. Yeah, and, and they did that to to give tribute to um, Jason Solo. Yeah, I mean that could be said as a like a modus operandi throughout the entire series was like there was so much fan service love letter stuff in Rebels. Like I mean I mentioned the whole he used to be a Java early design of Java. Like everything in the show was based on conceptually original concept art. You know, like so mm. much of it was so fun. Zeb, you know, wasn't he like one of the original Chewbacca designs? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, today I went back and watched um, the first episode of season one, which was, I think it was Droids in Distress or something like that. It was the R2 and 3PO story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when R2 and 3PO are standing at the back of the Star Cruiser, 3PO standing beside the original concept um, drawing for 3PO. Oh. <laughs> the other protocol droid there was the concept art for um, 3PO, or it was designed on it. Which that same art was used too for the, um, that the one. The infiltrator, yeah, the the droid that looks like a protocol droid, then all of a sudden becomes the the assassin droid. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, weren't weren't some of the uh, and I might be wrong on this one, but wasn't the stormtrooper Mandalorian design? Wasn't that one of the com earlier concepts for Boba Fett as well? Uh, I think it was one of the like super stormtroopers that yes. McQuarrie was drawing for Empire. Okay, I, I have all the art of books for those. I, I find that their design works so fit. Like, yeah, it's in there. Um, but yeah. It looked familiar. Like so much of that stuff looks familiar if you're into that, you know, the history. <laughs> And it's it's so brilliant that they did that too. That they put all those little gems in there. And the the only thing I could find about Jason is uh, by the time the Empire was shattered in four ABY, which is after Battle of Yavin, uh, during the Battle of Endor, the young Sedula was already considered a member of his mother's crew on the starship Ghost. He was given the call sign Spectre Seven. Hmm. 
There you go. So that would have made him four and a half, five, which seems really Probably. Young. It works. It's Star Wars. <laughs> We're just going to pretend that Twilix like gestate real quick and then. <laughs> well, sure. We don't know. So, you know, it could be. So um, I apologize for derailing us. <laughs> it's all good. Um, I had an idea of somewhere I wanted to go and I forgot. It. Totally lost it, too. <laughs> well, I, I love, I love too, uh, you were talking, the one episode you were just talking about, Ken, Star Tours, even though it's, yes. it's been quote unquote canon, gives the proper canon debut, canon uh, interview reduction so to speak and, w- and we see where the the rex style pilots were it wasn't just rex in in the actual star tours ride that was an issue it was kind of all of them so it, it, was, it was very i was very happy to see uh see paul rubens come back and do the voice as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> well that kind of goes back to um what john was saying about um the fact that they did so much um what could be called fan service in this it's something i've talked about on my other shows that um, it seems like in all fandoms, fan service seems like a bad word for people or something. But it's like that if it's done correctly, like Rebels did it, did fan service correct? They put right. the stuff in there, but it didn't seem like they put it in there just because fans wanted to see it. They actually right, had story yeah. elements or reasons why this stuff was back, brought back in. But it's like I don't think it should be a bad word. I mean, the, the reason we want to keep coming back to this is because we're seeing the stuff that we like and we want to see. Right. Well, I th- this is going back to the thought that I had um, that that went fleeting. I think because of this, you know, this hits that that soapbox that we touch on every often. Lucasfilm is doing stuff to try and cater to the fans, you know, by introducing Thrawn and and his group with Rook, and you know, there was reference to his uh, captain, Pelion. Yeah, Pelion. Um, they finally got the name dropped in the final episode. <laughs> there, there was you know the nod to Jason Solo by naming Hera's child Jason. Uh, some some of the other things, and it's like they're doing it to help bring some of the old EU and officially make the, some of the stuff in the old EU, which was never canon to begin with, canon and, and hit yeah. some of the fan favorites. And it's like the fans are going, okay, fine, great. It's still not what we want. Yeah. <laughs> it never, those people are never going to get what they want. Yeah. I don't even think they actually know what they want. I think we talked about this last time, man. Like, I'm a Star Trek fan, right? So oh, Shut off his mic. <laughs> I dealt with a entire canon being dissolved at one point in my life. Uh, and yeah. It was frustrating, but then I realized all that stuff never went anywhere, right? It's still there. Like Deep Space Nine is still out there being awesome and the fight in the Dominion and all that good stuff. And I feel that that's one of the things that Disney has done very well with taking over the Star Wars, Star Wars stewardship is having Thrawn be introduced. Like, that was Thrawn, man. I mean, it was in a different context, but, you know, having Zahn write the book and every, like, it's, that's as Thrawn as you're going to Thrawn. Right. Oh, yeah. He was full Thrawn, if you will. Ooh, snap. Um, and I just appreciated that. I, I liked See, I, I like how they could take the best. Like, for everyone that's wanting um, KOTOR, like, that's not off the table, man. Like, it might be tweaked, but... Right. And you're just going to have to deal with the fact that some people are not... They'll never be happy because it's not their version of it, but that might not work in what they're trying to do. Well, right. even, even before the, the Disney-Lucasfilm merger, you know, Forced Unleashed, everyone's like, oh, this is so great. You know, this is cool. Everything's canon. And Lucas just came out and said, uh, it's not canon. It's just a game. And and he did that with a lot of the of the EU. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that went through that existed because it was written and he said, okay, yeah, it's a Star Wars story, but it's not canon. It, mm. Yeah. Because, I mean, look at, at his hatred that he had for, for Mara Jade. And it, it was almost like that was forced forced down everyone's throat. Oh, she married yeah. Luke. And he he wanted nothing to do with it. Well, yeah, that was George is character. gone now, so <laughs> we can have Mara Jade back, right? <laughs> See what well, JJ does in the next movie. And some former there, fashion. There's maybe. rumors. There are rumors that she could be coming back. They're just rumors, but Well, I think just like what they did with Thrawn again, you've you've got this whole universe of from the expanded universe and you can cherry pick what works best now i mean they've got so many different people making so many different decisions like the idea that thrawn was going to be the main villain and um the new trilogy i think was pretty unreasonable to assume that was going to occur right. but dude we got him on a freaking tv show like he yeah. could have easily been one of those characters that's just he's a fan favorite to all the nerds
nerds that used to read the books and the comics, but you're never going to see him anything more than that. And it's like, I am happy that Thrawn became part of the, the can that I got to see him interact in a more a quote unquote official way, if you will. And that doesn't just diminish what he did in the past, but I think it, it adds a heavier context, not only to he as a character, but also to the universe of Star Wars, right? Like the show itself. Right. And I think they, they handled him perfectly. So yeah. The oh. way they finished it with him. They, he could, he'll, um, you know, at some point he will be back. We know we have another book coming this summer from Timothy Zahn, right. but um, it's like, we know with the way they ended that Ezra and Thrawn will be back somewhere, comic book or um, regular book or animation or something. They will be back in the universe at some point. Right. Well, who's to say Thrawn's not the one, the founding, elements of the first order there you go yeah, yeah. really or it'd be interesting if um after episode nine um if thrawn ends up coming back on the scene to try to bring back the empire now that the first order is gone they realize wait you guys messed this up this is not what the empire was let me show you what the empire was mm. and basically doing what he did in uh <clears throat> the original thrawn trilogy because if you remember back in the early 90s when they put out those books heir to the empire and dark force rising last command the empire was in pieces and parts and uh, a lot of infight and stuff according to the books and then right. Thrawn came in and united the entire what it was left of the Empire right I don't know. I'm not sure Thrawn would play very well with Hux and Kylo Ren. <laughs> well, who, yeah, who, but we don't know what happens at the end of nine. But we also too don't know if you know Thrawn's still alive at the point of you know starting the new trilogy. Yeah. yeah well, again, what happens he, he with... could have been one of the founders, and maybe Hux, being the the young aspiring, took advantage and bumped him off. And what happens with Ryan Johnson's new trilogy that's completely separate somewhere else in the galaxy of new? characters if they're up against Thrawn. Right. I would love to see that. And I think that could be where Rebels is setting up. And and we we did talk about, you know, not know at the time I didn't know who who I would go with for for my casting. I think I said it last week. I I finally decided Benedict Cumberbatch is Thrawn. He'd work. He'd be a good choice. Yeah. I could see it. You know what I could almost see? I could almost see Sam Witwer doing it too. Just the way his line delivery is on some of the stuff and things. I think he could pull off a Thrawn. Mm -hmm. Well, I thought the, and I apologize, I'm not familiar with who the actor was on Thrawn for the for the series, the cartoon for Rebels, but man, was he the perfect voice. Like, how creepy and calm and collected was he? Like, uh, it was Lars Mikkelsen. Okay. Uh, of course, his brother is, his brother is Krennic in... Uh, no, Jen's dad, not Krennic. Jen, is it Jen's dad? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, Galen. He was yeah. awesome. And like, I, that's another thing thing that I, you know I that needs to be said is just the quality of the voice out talent for the show was yeah. oh just yeah fun. yeah for me that's another one that goes back to um straight back to Dave Filoni because what he did with the Clone Wars I I didn't even know who voice I didn't know the name of any voice actors at all before Clone Wars started but mm-hmm. since Clone Wars then all the way up to Rebels the um the presence they've had out there uh, just in media and everywhere else that they've done with these actors and this family of actors that do the Star Wars animated shows has made put voice actors like basically almost like they put them on the map. Now I actually yep. know who some of these voice actors are. You you look back, it's like amazing to see some of the other things they've done. Oh, yeah. Vanessa Marshall's all over the uh, the Marvel Universe with the Marvel Animated. Uh, I believe she's the voice of Gamora in the Guardians yep. show. Um, but, you know, going through this list and seeing Wedge and Tilly's was voiced by Nathan Kress. Uh, of course, Forrest Whitaker was back for Saw, which was a brilliant move. Uh, Brighton James was Zara Leonis. Uh, um, Phil Amar as Bail Organa. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Princess Leia was done by Julie Dolan. And then in the fourth season was the lines were archival of Carrie Fisher. Yeah, you can tell that when they brought back some of like um, Obi-Wan's lines and Yoda's lines and stuff from yeah. the series, from the movies. Uh, like I- they got the emperor back. Corey Burton. Back. Oh, sorry. Corey Burton was the voice of Corey, the Mon Calamari <laughs> engineer, which was oh, a right great on. choice. Uh, I'm trying to see some of the other. Stephen Stanton was the voice of AP5, but was also the voice of of older Anakin. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, older Obi Wan. Yes. Yeah, older Obi Wan. Obi Wan. No, Matt Landon came back been, to do Anakin. A, it's been a long day. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
nothing like and then of course up. he also did Tarkin. Yep, which is Tarkin is great. Yeah. I yeah. almost I almost wish they used him for Tarkin in Rogue One. Mm. But the guy who did Tarkin in Rogue One was real real good as well. Um, yeah. You know, then I'm just going through some more of this list. Uh, Rook was um, Warwick Davis. Davis. Warwick Davis. Uh, the controller in Double Agent Droid was Josh Gad. <laughs> Nice. Um, trying to see if there was any other major. I did. Hand. Well, you got Clancy Brown doing Ryder. Yeah. Uh, Which one of my favorite so, actors of all time? They totally oh, yeah. sold me that he actually was going to betray the rebellion just because they had Clancy Brown do the voice of it. And I was like, he's got. <laughs> <laughs> like I've seen Starship Troopers. I know where this goes. Medic. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, dude. And Highlander. I just got done watching Highlander earlier this Here week. Go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, the Senator Gal Travis was Brett Spiner. Nice. Really? Oh, yeah. Huh. Uh, Malcolm McDowell is Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm still going to have to go with Hondo. Is, uh, Jim Cummings is one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Of course, Billy, well, you go back. Billy go D's back as, as Lando. Oh, yeah. Well, we had, um, or no, 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 this was, uh, that was Clone Wars, sorry. I was thinking Mark Hamill, but no, he was in Clone Wars. Kisu Ono, the Mandalorian bounty hunters, the friend of Sabine, is Gina Torres. Which we know from Suits and uh, Firefly. Uh, D. Bradley Baker, who actually has ties to Epcot, was a uh, part of a show here at Epcot. Uh, I can't think of the name of the show now. I worked the show for briefly. Um, he he did many voices on, on the show. Uh, yeah, he and Corey Burton do a lot of different voices. Yeah. Uh, Tom Baker, of course, has been due. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Ob- Obi-Wan, both um, James Arnold Taylor and... and uh, Stephen Stanton. Frank Oz came back for Yoda. Yeah. And uh, from what I heard, there was a lot of controversy about that. And even James Earl Jones came back for Vader. So yep. they got the, the oh, big yeah. names in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So that, this yeah, guys the, like Jason Isaacs came in to do the Inquisitor. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So some of y'all's probably top moment in Rebels. <laughs> Malachor, Ahsoka versus Vader. Yeah. That would be mine. Yeah. That was awesome, yeah. For me, it's yeah. tied probably between that and um, the world between worlds and the, just the ideas that were put forth in that. Bringing the time travel concept from the old EU into the yeah. current canon. What about you, John? There was some really massive, no, I mean, look, the, the, the battle on Malachor was, that was a payoff I've been waiting for for forever. And I think a lot of people were, um, and I thought, by the way, that was, it was, they, they ended the fight perfectly in that World Between Worlds episode, right? Like, how did, how did she survive this? Well, here it is. Um, yeah. There was so many, like, jokingly, again, like, not me watching, being able to watch the show and only listen to it. But um, there were some beautiful shots. There's this, this scene where Ezra is backed into the cave, and he's just standing there with his lightsaber. And there's this nice, like, shot, reverse shot that goes on. And then all of a sudden, you see the wolf eyes behind him. Yeah. Raising yeah. up. Just, I love that. Yeah. I felt I felt that this show, the directing on the show was really tight. Like it was really top notch on, on a lot of scenes of like that's not stuff you see in a traditional cartoon. The way they felt, the way they they set up the shots and stuff, I thought was really well done. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's that because there's like there's the scene where Sabine uh, in the very first episode of season four where she stands up and she throws up the uh, the, the dark saber. I think is what it was called. Yeah, Mandalore black sword. And they're like, oh, you know, we, we've got this. And then like a group of Mandalorians come up and they're like, oh no. And then even more come up behind her. And it's just like this really like powerful shot. Um, that was really well handled. Like, so there's, there's a lot of great scenes in this show. Yeah, there really are. It's just, there's tons of them. Uh, Derek, what about your favorite, favorite moment of the show? I think I'm going to go with, uh, the death of Keenan. Mm. I thought that was a pretty powerful scene, the way it was done. Okay. I enjoy that. They, they foreshadow that really heavily obviously like I was not yeah um, but I loved that they foreshadowed it heavily but I didn't actually think they were going to pull it off I was like you're not going to really kill him like this is going to be a big swerve and uh, and especially in the second episode like they kind of kept alluding to like oh he's going to survive this or come back and no man dude was dead yeah and it felt it really felt that the meat like 
his death had some real meaning to it. Oh, yeah. dude, there are a few things that are more infuriating than killing a character for no good reason. You know, that's something that I think the comic book industry, for example, has become so guilty of. <laughs> a little, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, a little. Um, there are there are characters whose deaths make the other characters better characters, and killing Kanan, I thought, did that to a T. I mean, Ezra became more interesting. Uh, you know, Hera became much, it really it galvanized them. I think it happened at the perfect time in the story. It wasn't it wasn't the big finale sacrifice, but it was an impetus to make the moves that they did to wrap right. the series up. Well, I like I like to uh, right before his death, Kanan gets his sight back, even if it's for yeah. that brief moment. Yep. Right. Uh, for me, I think my favorite moment was the whole um, training of, of Sabine with the Darksaber mm. and, and realizing maybe there is a little bit to this of um, the Mandalores maybe having some force sensitivity to them, especially with the creation of the, the Darksaber and how that's such a key role in, in their in their culture is whoever has the Darksaber is the ruler of them all. Right. I thought they did a lot of really cool stuff with the Mandalorians in this series. Uh, the idea yeah. the playing up like we can't just take off our armor like this armor is 500 years old you know mm-hmm. because it was it was such a weird you know we had the the preconceived notions obviously with the with the Clone Wars and then almost changing the expectation with them being um, pacifists in, right. in the Clone right. Wars you know and then you had um, was a death squad you know being oh, like yeah. the back to the basics uh, Mandalorians, but I thought that with this show, it really—I love that they were still like in a civil war. You know, the repercussions from the Clone Wars still existed. Um, there were the clans that, like, you know, a very feudal type system set up. But again, like they 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 built that mythology up to where like oh they're a lot cooler than just the people Boba Fett got his armor from right <laughs> yeah well I, I think it was I think it was kind of cool too where we see Mandalore where you can see it where um, the Empire took advantage of being there and and putting a, uh, a strong strong a stronghold on a, a Mandalore and, and not giving them a chance to to develop on their own but forcing them to to kind of go the the Empire way for the most part oh yeah they do that the, i love the payoff on season i think it was the end of season three where basically the mandalorians come to the rescue um, yeah. oh yeah and you know it was one of those really cool moments of like you'd seen again with the death squad and everything else but there was such a clone wars had such a weird power creep because the jedi were so powerful in that series mm-hmm. um that I guess I didn't really grasp how truly hardcore the Mandalorians were in in the nature of that universe, right, of the, the cartoon. And so I thought that was a really cool payoff at the end of season three of like, whoa, these guys, you know, not an armada of Mandalorians, but like basically just a squad came in and changed the entire tide of battle. Right. Yeah, I, li- I like how they – I like that they expanded on, on the Mandalorians. So we got to we got to see more of them and what their story is and yeah and it's another one that was awesome that um it tied directly back into Clone Wars by bringing in like Bo-Katan and continuing the story of we know that um the Duchess Satine died at the end and um it created a power vacuum in um, Clone Wars but that was left totally open ended and mm-hmm. here you see it actually come back around and what actually happened there All right yeah. uh so let's take this as we're slowly coming to an end what about least favorite moment in the show i think that's harder uh i i think i gotta go with the uh the obi-wan killing darth maul it was it was i just i was hoping for more yeah i think i agree uh, yeah i think that's where i'm at too but it's not the, that it happened it's how they did it it was so yeah. underwhelming yeah what about you steven <laughs> I mean, just off the top of my head, I'm probably going to be in the minority here. I actually didn't like the Mandalorian episodes. Those those ones didn't do it for me. Whenever it got to like the Mandalorian episodes, I was like, yeah, I just want to leave Mandalore now. Um, <laughs> and it's weird because I'm actually a big Mandalorian fan. Like, I read the Karen Travis novels, and I really like what they did with the Mandalorians there. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I, I think it had a lot to do with I didn't like Sabine's parents. And a lot of the Mandalorian 
Mandalorian focus was on her parents, and it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just couldn't get behind it. I liked Bo-Katan. I liked her. Did it, did it seem odd that you know here's someone who who comes from where she came from, um, and her mom is the one that is the big uh, warrior uh, of the two, and the dad's the artist. I actually didn't mind that at all. I just completely completely despised her mom. She seemed like such an awful person. <laughs> I just, I think for me, it's, I I never saw, I never thought we would see the Mandalorians have, you know, you're always told, you know, we've always been told Mandalorians are, are warriors. It's a warrior clan, warrior class, warrior race. And and then we're introduced to, to a guy who just wants to do art. Hey, somebody and, on Mandalorian's got to be an artist. <laughs> exactly. Well, who's to say that they, they weren't as a, as a hobby, but it, it seemed like to him, you know, being a warrior wasn't even a consideration. Well, but that was established with Satine again, like, you know, that Mandalore had gone through a pretty substantial change and shift in philosophy. Um, Right. Yeah. I mean, under Satine, they were all pacifists. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. So, um, I guess our final thoughts in regards to um, to the series. Well, I'm certainly going to miss it. I think I think so as well. I thought it was a really really good show, and I thought it did it did Star Wars really good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it you know? had its ups and it had its ups and downs, but it seemed like at the end of every season they always ended on the upside. They always had a really good episode to you know end things off with and with the way they ended the season the, the whole show I think it was great I think they just tossed themselves see I don't mm. think they had as many downsides as they as they did the ups I mean there were a couple but I don't think there was a lot not like what we would see in in Clone Wars I think the um I think what helps with that is the condensed seasons the fact that they only had for most of these seasons they had what 13 to 14 episodes where Clone Wars was running like 22 right oh yeah well so at 22 episodes, you end up with filler in there. I want to say Clone Wars was, or not Clone Wars, Rebels. Season one was like 15 episodes. Then it ran 22 to 24 for the next two seasons and right back down to, to 15 for the final season. No, I, I, I think it was a show that, as I think with any show, when it was focused, which I felt I felt all of season four was, was on point. Like it had a mission to tell yeah. those 16 stories. Right? Yeah, fewer because a lot of them were two-part if you will but like when it had a focus it fired on all cylinders and they did a brilliant job of developing the characters you know that's one thing I think you know if if there's anything that you can give credit to Filoni and his team I don't want to just heap all praise on one person because I think there's probably a lot of a lot of parts of that machine they all build characters man I mean to look at the characters that you started out with were completely different than the characters that ended in that show in all the right ways that's why you tell stories that's why you listen to stories Um, and to be able to do it with a series originally that we knew the end of in the Clone Wars but now to be able to tell an open ended story or you know now to have a story that he he wasn't confined to certain computations ah sorry Siri what Um, (laughs) must have said something that triggered her Uh, he didn't have those constraints in this one and the fact that he could wrap the show up and create those arcs so well I'm 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 excited to see what else he's got in store. And again, I would say I don't want to see him do a Luke Skywalker story or a Darth Vader story. I want to see him continue to create new original characters and content because I think he better than anyone um, really knows. He just he knows how to tell Star Wars stories and make Star Wars new and fresh, but not alienate people as well. Right. Yeah. And actually, what you were saying, something I wanted to bring up earlier that um, just real quick was what you're saying with his character development and how phenomenal it's been. I just have one character that really, um, I think, had one of the largest arcs through this whole thing was in where the ends on a totally different area is Callus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The big bad, basically, for season one is one of their greatest allies at the end of the series. Yes. And he goes from the man who killed all of Zeb's race, basically, was responsible for the almost complete extinction of Zeb's race to being uh, one of his best friends at the end. And being adopted almost by his his people. Yeah, accepted yeah. into Lasat people. Like the Lasans. Wouldn't that make you know a that? great buddy buddy cop type series? <laughs> That's what everybody keeps saying. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I just I, I thought the show wrapped up really well. Um, yeah, more about these characters, and I mean, talk about leaving at, at the right time because how many TV shows do you know when they end? You're just like, man, I really want to see more of these people, and I exactly, gotta, I, I agree. And now we got to wait at least a year and a half because we know there is at least one more animated series. I think they may have two animated series coming for the new direct to streaming, and we have a live action series coming to direct to streaming. But we're not going to see anything else till then, I don't think. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know. There's I can't comics see coming out once a month that you guys can all buy and read yeah <laughs> i can't Which see him making us do? wait that long I, I could see a summer announcement for a new show it, it could be a shorter run show maybe mm-hmm. just to fill the gap but i think we'll get something yeah. especially with um a year and a half between solo and episode nine they're gonna want to get something in there oh yeah unless they launch the streaming service in like january of 2019 and launch it with star wars uh i don't know if it's gonna happen that quick not with the streaming service mm. i mean they could they could always try Star Wars detours. <laughs> oh, I would be happy for that. Yeah, I'd be very happy for that. I just, I just have a feeling that's probably never going to happen. Oh, well, that's what the streaming service is going to do for us. Todd, Todd yeah, sure, surely. Todd surely and Jen, they drop it then. Todd and Jen kind of told us the same thing. It's probably not going to happen. Mm. See what it is? Is it sitting up there on the shelf right beside the holiday special? <laughs> <laughs> Um, as we bring this, both at the same time, as we bring this to a close, uh, Stephen, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, just look for Roco Depot. We're on Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, we got our own website. Just check us out. You'll find us. And that's how our... do you spell that Roco Depot? Because I know it's different than yeah. It's uh, it's actually uh, a nod to an old Legends book. Uh, Troy Denning had a space station called Roco Depot, so we we pulled it from there. Um, it's R O Q O O, and then just Depot. Okay. Awesome. Uh, John, where can people find you? Uh, I'm online at johntylerchristopher.com. Um, I'm on social media, on Twitter, Facebook. Um, yeah, I'm I'm all places. And every month on Star Wars covers. Yes. Yes. As I'm <laughs> so addicted. Just not saying. I'm saying, but I'm not saying. Oh, thanks, buddy. Um, <laughs> so uh, for us, you can find us on wookieradio.net, on Twitter and Facebook at Wookie Radio. Of course, right now, Instagram is all shared with Weeby Geeks. Uh, final thoughts? I like the last line of the show. Uh, it's Sabine, and our last line that they end the show with is, Ezra's out there somewhere, and it's time to bring him home. And that's just mm-hmm. a great hook for a future story that some someday they'll tell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree with that. So, any other final thoughts? Great show. Yeah. Yeah, Great thanks for coming on, guys. Coming with it. Or next. Uh, I want to see more from Ezra and and them. I want to. I do want to see that show where they go find him. I I, I think we're gonna get a Sabine and Ahsoka driven show where they're gonna quite possibly be be the main two. That would be cool. I would love that. Yeah, all over that. Well, on that note, uh, there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2.